Long History, Henry Hudson, Voyage 4, Part 2, The Waters to the North of Quebec. Hello everyone and welcome to Long History, where we take historic source documents and split them up into chunks of around 10 minutes. The document we're currently looking at is Henry Hudson's Diverse Voyages and Northern Discoveries. The document covers four journeys and we're now onto the fourth one itself. In the previous episode we heard Henry Hudson's own words about the fourth voyage, but in this episode we start the same voyage again, but this time using the words of a man who was present on the voyage, who had the excellent name of Abercock Pritchett. This is the 18th episode in this series, although each episode stands alone, and there are 25 in total in this series. So before you move on, don't forget to subscribe to be informed of when the rest of the episodes are released. And in the meantime, feel free to explore the other explorers on long history, including Magellan, Columbus, Francis Drake and Walter Raleigh, and many others. Henry Hudson's fourth and final voyage is an attempt to find a northwest passage to the Far East. So as we heard in the previous episode, he heads from England towards Greenland and then on to North Canadian waters and eventually enters the place that would later be given his name, Hudson Bay. So here we go with Henry Hudson, Voyage 4, Part 2, The Waters to the North of Quebec. A larger discourse of the same voyage, and the success thereof, written by Abercock Pritchett. We began our voyage for the Northwest Passage the 17th of April, 1610. Thwart of Sheppey, our master sent Master Colbert back to the owners with his letter. The next day we weighed from hence and stood for Harwich, and came thither the 8th and 20th of April. From Harwich we set sail the 1st of May along the coast to the north, till we came to the Isles of Orkney, from thence to the Isles of Faroe, and from thence to Iceland, on which we fell in a fog hearing the rut of the sea ashore, but saw not the land, whereupon our master came to an anchor. Here we embayed in the southeast part of the island. We weighed and stood along the coast on the west side towards the north, but one day being calm we fell a-fishing, and caught good store of fish as cod and ling and butt, with some other sorts that we knew not. The next day we had a good gale of wind at south-west, and raised the islands of Westmany, where the King of Denmark hath a fortress, by which we passed to raise the Snow Hill Foot, a mountain so called on the northwest part of the land. But in our course we saw that famous hill, Mount Hecla, which cast out much fire, a sign of foul weather to come in short time. We leave Iceland astern of us, and met a main of ice, which did hang on the north part of Iceland, and stretched down to the west, which, when our master saw, he stood back for Iceland to find an harbour, which we did on the northwest part, called Derefer, where we killed good store of fowl. From hence we put to sea again, but neither wind nor weather serving, our master stood back for this harbour again, but could not reach it, but fell with another to the south of that, called, by our Englishman, Louise Bay, where, on the shore, we found an hot bath, and here all our Englishmen bathed themselves. The water was so hot that it would scald a fowl. From hence, the 1st of June, we put to sea for Groenland, 
but to the west we saw land as we thought, for which we bear the best part of a day, but it proved but a foggy bank. So we made it over and made for Groenland, which we raised the 4th of June. Upon the coast thereof hung good store of ice, so that our master could not attain to the shore by any means. The land in this part is very mountainous, and full of round hills, like to sugar-loaves, covered with snow. We turned the land on the south side, as near as the ice would suffer us. Our course, for the most part, was between the west and northwest, till we raised the Desolations, which is a great island in the west part of Groenland. On this coast we saw store of whales, and at one time three of them came close by us, so as we could hardly shun them. Then, two passing very near, and the third going under our ship, we received no harm by them, praised be God. From the desolations our master made his way northwest, the wind being against him. Who else would have gone more to the north? But in this course we saw the first great island or mountain of ice, whereof after we saw store. About the latter end of June we raised land to the north of us, which our master took to be that island which Master Davies setteth down in his chart. On the west side of his strait, our master would have gone to the north of it, but the wind would not suffer him, so he fell to the south of it, into a great rippling or overfall of current, the which setteth to the west. Into the current we went, and made our way to the north of the west, till we met with ice which hung on this island. Wherefore, our master, casting about, cleared himself of this ice, and stood to the south, and then to the west, through store of floating ice, and upon the ice store of seals. We gained a clear sea, and continued our course till we meet ice. First with great islands, and then with store of the smaller sort. Between them we made our course northwest, till we met with ice again. But, in this our going between the ice, we saw one of the great islands of ice overturn, which was a good warning to us, not to come nigh them, nor within their reach. Into the ice we put ahead, as between two lands. The next day we had a storm, and the wind brought the ice so fast upon us, that in the end we were driven to put her into the chiefest of the ice, and there to let her lie. Some of our men this day fell sick. I will not say it was for fear, although I saw small sign of other grief. The storm ceasing, we stood out of the ice, where we saw any clear sea to go to, which was sometime more and sometime less. Our course was as the ice did lie, sometime to the north, then to the northwest, then to the west and to the southwest. Which when our master saw, he made his course to the south, thinking to clear himself of the ice that way. But the more he strove, the worse he was, and the more enclosed, till we could go no further. Here our master was in despair, and, as he told me after, he thought he should never have got out of this ice, but there have perished. Therefore he brought forth his card, and showed all the company, that he was entered above an hundred leagues further than any English was, and left it to their choice, whether they would proceed any further, 
yea or nay. Whereupon, some were of one mind and some of another, some wishing themselves at home and some not caring where, so they were out of the eyes. But there were some who then spake words which were remembered a great while after. There was one who told the master that if he had an hundred pounds he would give fourscore and ten to be at home. But the carpenter made answer that if he had an hundred he would not give ten upon such condition, but would think it to be as good money as ever he had any, and to bring it as well home by the leave of God. After many words to no purpose, to work we must on all hands, to get ourselves out and clear our ship. After much labour and time spent, we gained room to turn our ship in, and so by little and little to get clear in the sea a league or two off, our course being north and northwest. In the end we raised land to the southwest, high land and covered with snow. Our master named this land Desire Provokes. Lying here, we heard the noise of a great overfall of a tide that came out of the land. For now we might see well that we had been embayed before, and time had made us know, being so well acquainted with the ice, that when night or foggy or foul weather took us, we would seek out the broadest island of ice and there come to anchor, and run and sport and fill water that stood on the ice in ponds, both sweet and good. But after we had brought this land to bear south of us, we had the tide and the current to open the ice, as being carried first one way and then another, but in bays they lie as in a pond without moving. In this bay, where we were thus troubled with ice, we saw many of those mountains of ice aground, in six or seven score fathom water. In this our course we saw a bear upon a piece of ice by itself, to the which our men gave chase with their boat. But, before they came nigh her, the tide had carried the ice and the bear on it, and joined it with the other ice, so they lost their labour and came aboard again. We continued our course to the northwest and raised land to the north of our course toward which we made, and coming nigh it, there hung on the easternmost point many islands of floating ice and a bear on one of them, from which from one to another came towards us till she was ready to come aboard. So as we finish this episode, Henry Hudson and his crew are in the Hudson Strait, which is in the waters to the north of Quebec, and the land that Henry Hudson names Desire Provokes is said to be Akpatok Island in that strait. And really, right from the start we see the tension in this voyage, in particular when it says, Our master sent Master Colbert back to the owners with his letter, and so no details are given here but somehow, in some way, there's been a disagreement and this Master Colbert is sent back on shore. And by the middle of this episode, it all seems to be about ice. For example, in the following quote, Our course was as the ice did lie, sometime to the north, then to the northwest, and then to the west and to the southwest. And it seems that there are points at which the journey seems hopeless. And this is particularly illustrated by the fact that Henry Hudson seems to ask the men what they want to do next. He gives them an opportunity to voice their opinions, 
And as Abercock Pritchard says, there were some who then spake words which were remembered a great while after. So it appears that here is where the resemblance begin. And it's with this increasing tension that we can begin to look back on the previous voyages as well. For example, why in the third voyage did the men give up on their search for the Northeast Passage and then cross over and explore the United States coastline? The reason for that is never explained. But here we see that Henry Hudson does consult his men, and it's made clear here that there are many opinions on board. So, after the relative warmth of the third journey, Henry Hudson and his crew return to the ice and the sparsely populated north. In the next episode, they explore the area around the Hudson Strait before heading towards Hudson Bay itself. Thank you for listening everyone. Please, before you move on, don't forget to share this episode with any like-minded people. If you can like it or promote it in any way, that would really help. And don't forget to subscribe to be informed of when the remaining episodes of this series are released. As we can already see, Abercock Pritchard gives a completely different style of account of Henry Hudson's journeys. So there's less of that technical detail and a bit more of that human drama. And it's all perhaps down to the fact that he must have written this document after he returned to England. And this, in a way, is him making his case for what happened on board the ship. So we move away from a, a series of technical sea charts to an account of what happened on board. Thank you for listening everyone, and goodbye.